Hi, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. Every week, we work hard at giving you the best real ghost stories we can find for free through the podcast. But producing and maintaining the show isn't so free for us. And that's why we're asking for your support. If you like the show, please become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person through the button at realghoststoriesonline.com. As an EPP, you'll get an additional bonus exclusive episode of the show to enjoy every weekend. Plus, you'll have access to our exclusive EPP video content and backlog of exclusive EPP bonus episodes as well. It's only five bucks a month for all these extras. And your support helps to keep our daily free version of the show alive and on the air. Become an EPP now at realghoststoriesonline.com. Please and thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Today, could a lifelong obsession with witchcraft and the occult be more than just an interest? Or could this be the influence of the ghost of the Pilgrim Girl? A Native American man is troubled by the unexplained and had the physical scars to prove it. What could cause this man to become an outcast? And family gatherings can be a fun time, except when there's something sinister lurking at Grandma's house. Those stories, your calls, and more on this Thanksgiving 2014 edition of Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. Hello. And I'd like to welcome all of our guests who are joining us today as they're trying to escape their family and find something else to do. Maybe they went for a walk and they're listening to us. Maybe they're sitting in the bathroom with headphones on. Maybe they're in the other room in the den going, oh, I'm going to work on something. Maybe you're hiding in your car listening to us. Or they're getting ready for the early Black Friday sales that open tonight. Or you're out there trying to do the shopping type thing. (laughs) Wherever it may be, or maybe you're listening to us on uh, May 28th of 2016 in an archive show. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? Which could very well be the case. Um, yeah, welcome to A Real Ghost Stories Online. We appreciate you, uh, you joining us. And, and a welcome, I also want to say, to uh, some of the Adam the Woo followers who have uh, now subscribed to our show. I saw a lot of uh, new faces popping up on uh, on YouTube. Because we, we talked about some of his really cool uh, videos that he's done on YouTube. Yes. About uh, some of the uh, the abandoned places that he goes to. It's It fits like kind of, it's not ghost stuff, but it's abandoned shit. And it's just right in line with my interest level. And he's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, anyway, he uh, he put a shout out to us uh, on his uh, Facebook channel. Uh, so uh, same right back there. Adam the Woo is uh, is his name. He's uh, got a YouTube channel. Do a do a little search on that if you like looking at abandoned, creepy stuff with some humor to it. Yes, which is pretty much like our show. It's <laughs> it's dark ghost stuff with humor to it. Uh, I think you'll uh, you'll enjoy it. Uh, so uh, welcome if you're joining our show, uh, and uh, you were originally a follower of his and still are. Uh, thank you for joining our show. The phone number to call into uh, Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story is 855-853-4802. You can uh, call in 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and share your real ghost story with us. And if you like the show, tell a friend about it. Uh, share a link on Facebook, Twitter. Of course, your support is what helps this show grow. 
and uh, keeps us alive. It's uh, the only advertising we got. So uh, we uh, do uh, greatly appreciate you helping us uh, do just that. Kick off the show today. Got a letter here from uh, JC. Uh, it says, witches. Uh, what is this? Grimoires? Grimoires, ghosts, Gr- and frozen zits? Grimoire. Grimoires? Like Grim- armoire, but grimoire? What's a grimoire? It is like a witches or black magic book of spells and oh almost kind of like a diary with spells okay well thank you for filling me in on that i had no idea i looked it up because i was so interested in this story okay so grimoires mm-hmm. like an armoire but for i think so the way it's spelled <laughs> wait, I'm wait, ass- okay i'm assuming that's correct grimoires ghost and fro- forehead zits all my life i've been obsessed with witches and witchcraft all my toys, my favorite movies, books, television shows were somehow associated with witches or witchcraft. I suppose in a way, one could say I always sympathized with the villain, while other children needed stories of unicorns and fairies to be lulled to sleep. I required tales of an imaginary witch my grandma and I created, affectionately called Alice. Backstory, I'm a child of a divorce and do not have any information on my ancestry other than my grandmother on my dad's side, which I stayed with most of my adolescence. Alice was also my imaginary friend, appearing from time to time, always dressed in what I refer to as pilgrim clothes. I remember finding her clothing so strange that dress-up was one of our favorite games to play. Simply had to give Miss Alice a makeover every time she came over. She always wanted me to color with her, and we'd often spend hours doodling symbols and images. I'm in my 30s now, and I can't recall any specifics that might categorize Alice as anything more than a playmate created in my head to pass the time, as I was more often lonely than not. Born and raised Southern Baptist, my interest in the occult witchcraft, and specifically Alice, was pretty unsettling to my parents, and they tried to suppress it through vacation Bible schools and youth groups through my teen years. With age, all of it did fade into my subconscious, and Alice stopped visiting me for playtime, so to speak. It wasn't until I moved away from home and started graduate school that I was able to explore all of my childhood curiosities, including witchcraft and the occult. Now, when I say explore, I mean research, as I am firmly from the school of science and above all things a skeptic. Put simply, I just enjoyed reading about the a charming world that my imagination loved so much as a kid, but my adult brain rationalized as fiction. As a psychology student, then with only masters and now a PhD, yes, even doctors can have paranormal experiences, I summarize that witchcraft and prayers are nothing more than wishful thinking, coping, me- coping mechanisms, placebo effects, a sugar pill. One day, I was visiting an antique shop in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, when I came across a section of old books. I scanned the covers, trying to find something that piqued my interest, and nothing jumped out at me, except for one. It was a thick, black book, journal style, with absolutely no writing on the end cover. I picked it out from the shelf, and upon inspection, noticed a symbol on the front cover, hand-drawn in silver ink. I had no idea what the symbol meant other than looking quite occultish and looked oddly familiar. I just had to peek inside. The pages were filled with handwritten symbols, observations, and what appeared to be rituals and spells. 
There was a little of everything, from stories of African gods and goddesses to, oddly enough, Catholic saints. I purchased the book and brought it back with me to my dorm, feeling as if I had made the discovery of a lifetime. I felt more comfortable in my own skin and more confident in myself, ignited by nothing more than having the book in my possession that belonged to me. As I read through the book, I researched. I found that instead of just a normal diary of witchy rambles, this was someone's... And this is the word again, right? Uh-huh. And how do you say it? Um, grimoires? Grimoire. Okay. There we go. It's a new word. Today's show is brought to you by Grimoire. I would cross-reference points in the book and found that instead of a Wiccan text, it was actually a record of hoodoo, a traditional African folk spirituality that developed from a number of West African, Native American, and European spiritual traditions. During this time, I started seeing Alice again. She wouldn't appear on whim and ask to draw or amuse me by playing dress-up. Instead, she'd visit me in my dreams. I specifically recall a dream in which we laughed together and talked about how we missed each other and it was good to be back together. Every dream felt warm, almost maternal. That being said, these playtime dreams would end when my eyes fluttered open each morning. In those formative years, we all feel angst-ridden and want to drown out our feelings in wine coolers and Dave Matthews Band lyrics. However, I decided to take a different approach and start trying some of the rituals and spells from the book. Specifically, there was a girl in the same graduate program as me, and quite frankly, she wasn't a nice person. She'd go out of her way to make my life miserable, and I wanted to make her feel just a bit of what she was forcing upon me. Since I never developed telekinesis like Carrie, darn it, I thought, hey, I'll give something in the book a try. I recalled seeing a ritual that involved tying nine knots in a black ribbon. I won't go into any more detail, as the world doesn't need any more evil than we already have from the Westboro Baptist Church, but needless to say, it was a dirty one, meant to harm and foul whomever it was used against. I prepared two days in advance, gathering everything I needed, and planned the ritual for when my roommate would be gone home for a weekend. I vividly remember on Friday, the day before I performed the ritual, I was visited by Alice in my dreams, and she encouraged me to perform the ritual with a big smile and pats on the back. She even told me to perform it on the kitchen floor, so cleanup would be easy. Once again, I had an overwhelming, uh, I had an overwhelming sense of comfort, compassion, and that maternal bond that I've only felt with my real mother. One Saturday night, I laid out all the supplies I had gathered and sat down in the middle of the floor in our kitchen to perform the ritual. I had all the bells and whistles from candles to a salt circle. It was executed exactly as detailed in the book. Nothing out of the ordinary happened when I performed the spell other than a mess of wax left for me to clean in the morning. Alice told me to mind the cleanup, if you remember. So when I finished the ritual, I went about my business, watching television, eating a late night snack and going to bed. That night, I faintly recall dreaming of Alice and of her cleaning up the mess I left. Specifically, I remember her picking up the ribbon, placing it in the pocket of her pilgrim-esque apron, dress and fading away. When I woke up the next morning, the knotted ribbon was nowhere to be found. I searched high and low and was able to, unable to locate it. We had no animals and it was fall, so no drafts could explain its disappearance. I decided to pay it no mind and just... Melted wax from the night before and waited for Monday morning. 
when I'd be sitting side by side with the target of my ritual, a.k.a. the mean girl. I woke up around 6 a.m. on Monday as usual and felt elation. Usually a mundane, normal person, I felt invigorated for absolutely no reason. It was as if my mind and body knew I was going to receive some exciting news. Once in class, I noticed Mean Girl was absent. This was unusual for her, as amongst her other annoying qualities, she was always 15 minutes early. Before class started, our professor stood up at his podium and told us he had some bad news. Mean Girl had unfortunately been in a car accident on Saturday night, and while fine, had suffered two broken legs. Amongst many pins, you could have heard my heart drop to the floor. All day I was preoccupied with the theory that I had somehow caused this. I never asked for anything specific when I was performing the ritual, only for Mean Girl to get back what she gave to others, and that tiny, uh, tiny piece of imagination I held onto that thought. If it worked... It would be nothing more than a forehead zit or stomach virus. After class, I immediately went home and searched once again for the knotted ribbon and still couldn't find it. I grabbed the... Grimoire? There we go. And quickly flipped through it, looking for something that might allow me to explain away what had happened. Or at the very least, reverse it. And while I didn't find anything of the sort, I did make a startling discovery... On the back page, written in the same silver ink as the cover, was the following inscription. This is the grimoire of Alice Parker, passed along from her to me to you, as we are all the same. I have absolutely no idea how I never came across the back page before. Maybe I never got that far. Maybe it never ended. But I automatically thought back to my childhood imaginary friend, the one I played dress-up with, the one I had dreams about, the one that had encouraged me to perform the ritual, and my brain just smoked with confusion. To make a long story slightly less long, I packed the book away in a shoebox, and that is where it has remained on the top of my closet for over a decade. The ribbon never surfaced. Mean Girl did recover. I did, however, do extensive research and found the name Alice Parker pops up as one of the women executed for practicing witchcraft in Salem. I've also been told from family friends my grandmother has since passed that she was related to some Parkers. However, genealogy searches turn up empty. I still dream of Alice from time to time, and she seems sad, like she's disappointed in me. She's always carrying that book with her, offering it to me and asking me to color with her on the blank page inside. The dreams always leave me feeling depressed. When I wake up, I'll not lie and say that I don't still yearn to learn more, practice more, and experience more witchcraft. The tiny part of my imaginative brain questions many things. Why have I always been drawn to witchcraft, from the cradle to the present? Is it the same Alice I played with as a child? Is it the same Alice that visited me in my dreams? Was Alice a villain or just helpful? Was I meant to find that book? Did I really cause harm to someone with nothing more than a spell? Am I somehow related to Alice? Remembering I don't know any ancestry. Does the inscription of the grimoire mean that in some sort of cosmic reincarnated way, I am Alice? That tiny part of my rational brain answers with, it's all just wishful thinking, coping mechanisms, placebo effects, a sugar pill. I want to close by stating that I am not a maleficent person. I never meant any harm to them or now or to anyone. If 
follow a code of ethics on a daily basis and liken my use of the ritual to that of a uh, fist fight with your high school bully, which most people are guilty of. My method was just less hands-on. I like to think I just got caught up in the excitement of something astounding. Coincidences, yet have battled with enough guilt to consider myself chastised in the fact that they were not. Thanks for reading my story. Okay, I for one am not a person that really subscribes to coincidences. So if you take out the fact or take out the theory of coincidence out of this story, it's one hell of a story for all that to line up the way it did. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I would say that uh, she may have called something uh, in there for a little bit of assistance and didn't know what she was calling on. Well, and I think the connection with Alice, I have no doubt that that's Alice's book, The Same Alice. The Witch Alice? Yeah. You sure it's... How did... Okay, refresh me. How did she get this book? She found it in an antique store in okay. Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Okay, okay, okay. I, I guess I, I missed that part. Um... And she was just kind of drawn to it when she saw it, because it was different. I mean, you could make the argument that if that's a common name that's popping up in books about witchcraft, that somebody could have written that in there. But, you know, it could very well be the real deal. You don't know for sure, you know? You you can rationalize it away. Sure. I just think, I just think things happen for a reason, you know? I think she found Alice's book and that Alice was, you know, I just think there's a connection there. And that mean bitch had it coming. (laughs) (laughs) I still, I, the funny part about that to me is they are, you know, working on their PhD and they're, they're having that kind of crap. (laughs) They're playing witchcraft. It's not middle school. Yeah, exactly. That's what, that is kind of amusing just what's going on here yeah but uh it does show it's not necessarily something that middle school people should be messing with or really anyone for that matter oh no you know that's the thing so a great story thanks for um thanks for taking the time to write that into us and share that with us here at real ghost stories online if you have a real ghost story we would absolutely love to hear it and if you like our show and you want it to continue on well into 2015 and you want more ghost stories uh, then become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. That's uh, essentially like our VIP club, if you will. It uh, helps support our daily free show that we put out to you five days a week. And that's that's not going to end. Um, it keeps that on the air with your support. And we also give you a bonus episode. There's a six episode of the week that we produce every single week. And only our EPPs get that bonus episode. And we try and put some of the best stories we can find that we come across that week. Uh, into that EPP episode. So it's always a just really good, good, good episode of the show. So if you want to support the show, keep us on the air. It's only five bucks a month. You get the bonus episode every week and the archive of past bonus episodes as well, which is up to 13 now. So this next week will be 14 new episodes you'll be getting. Um, And you keep us on the air. So it's a way to, uh, to help support something that you enjoy listening to on a regular basis. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our number. Hi. Hi, Tony and Jenny. This is Christy calling from Buffalo, New York. Um, first of all, I really love the show. Thank you for doing it. I know there's a lot of appreciative per- people, but we just can't stop thanking you enough. 
Um, today, I would like to share with you sort of more or less a bittersweet story that happened to me. When I was 16, a school friend of mine passed away, and it was the first time I had experienced any kind of close loss, um, and it was very, very disturbing and emotional, um, and the day that we found out at school that he had passed on, um, I, I ditched class with another friend, um, and we walked to this park. It's a very beautiful park close by. Um, there's a, a wonderful little waterfall, and we spent some separate time away from each other to, to kind of reflect on what had happened and how we would move forward and, and mourn the loss of our friend. So I sat near the waterfall. It was October. Um, the leaves were, were changing colors. They were beautiful. And I was just sitting so distraught and worried. And I started, you know, I started praying for my friend and, and kind of talking to him, um, just trying to get some sense of, of closure and, and understanding. And just no wind was blowing, nothing particular was going on, but suddenly all the, the leaves above my head just dropped from the trees. And I was just showered with these orange and yellow and brown leaves. Um, it was really quite comforting and beautiful. And I don't know if that was my friend's way of, of trying to comfort me or um, whether it was something, something else, whether it was a higher power t telling me that it would be all right, or if it just was falling, leaves were falling. But either way, it, it really did make me feel better in the moment. And afterwards, when I met back up with my friend, she had also had a similar experience where she had been sitting, she had been dumped on with leaves. So regardless of what actually happened, I choose to believe that that was my friend trying to comfort me. And, and we went through a very rough time getting over his loss. It was definitely unexpected. Um, and it, it wasn't, you know, his time to go. And that was something that I, I struggled with personally. But I was very fortunate to have that experience. And it's something that I've taken with me for the rest of my life, at least thus far. So I just wanted to share, you know, more of a positive experience because a lot of times we hear the stories that rattle us and scare us. Um, so I hope you enjoyed my story. Have a good day. Thank you for the call. And, you know, I think like I've always, like I, I say a lot, you know, I think things happen for a reason. And I think partly that they both experienced that, but separately with the leaves falling was probably kind of that, that last goodbye, I guess. It's interesting the powers you can get when you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, I, I, cause I, I agree. Um, I think there's a lot of things you can do to, to, leave a sign uh, to loved ones that you're okay or that you're on the other side or whatever it is you're trying to communicate without 
you know, popping up as the lady in the library from Ghostbusters. Um, and I just think it's interesting all the different ways that people experience these these signs, sure, if you will, and it's the different things that that I apparently you, you have the ability to do. Again, another question as far as how, why, and all that, but uh, it's interesting. So what what are you gonna do? What's gonna be your thing? I'm gonna be the lady from the Ghostbusters. I'm gonna I'm just going all out. I'm not gonna I'm, <laughs> fucking, I'm not fucking around with leaves. I'm gonna be like, <laughs> I'm gonna be like That's what I'm gonna do. That's appropriate. And I'm gonna be a lady. So and you're gonna be a lady. I'm gonna be a lady. <laughs> I'm kidding. So I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 it's one of those things I wonder, but like, do you have like a little bit of time to go and say things to folks? Are you, are you around for a long time? Are you in control of this? Do you have any choice in the matter? Is it more like you're FedExing them a message from the other side and like you're already passed, but you decided, all right, I'd like to do this. So I'm going to send this message this way, but it's really not you doing it. It's just you're. You know, there's so many ways of trying to figure this out. I know. No real answers. But uh, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Coming back as an EVP a lot. I'm going to be ghost texting people. That'll be good. Be great. (laughs) Rob writes in, I'm uh, taking a break from gaming to share another story. That's good, Rob. Taking a break from gaming is a good thing sometimes. (laughs) Well, he's from Nevada, so yeah. Oh, are you sure are you sure he means uh, that type of gaming? I don't think he means like Not playing on the Nintendo. Nintendo. Okay. I think he means like gambling gaming. Oh, okay. Because you hear the term gaming a lot now, and I immediately think of people who are like sitting in front of World of Warcraft with, with 82 bags of Doritos and headsets and a case of Mountain Dew. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no. Okay, continuing on. Several years ago, I volunteered at the soup kitchen. It was in a church driving weekdays, uh, or during weekdays, and uh, opened the the public. They didn't mind if anyone was religious or not, poor or rich. Everyone was welcome. It's a safe environment. You meet all sorts of interesting people, but you obviously have to use common sense for some of the guests. I was talking with a group of Native American people who debated if shaman were to be trusted. They all explained to me how certain tribes think of them as a type of priest or healer, while other tribes think they're witch doctors or even con artists. They mentioned one of the elders who died years ago. They were from separate tribes, but often attended the same powwows in an event called Sundance. So these guys were friends and had a history. They used it as an example to prove that shamans were frauds. I don't remember the name of the elder. I think it had something to do with an owl, but had nothing to do with his actual problem. The elder died in his early 60s, but they mentioned he would wake up with cuts all along his body ever since he was young. I wanted to know more about him and the condition he had. The elder would wake up with scratch wounds and his clothes stuck to his skin at an age before his passage into manhood or ever went on a vision quest. They thought the wounds may have been self-inflicted, so his hands were tied before he slept and he still had wounds by the time he woke up. They tried having him sleep in a protected area, but it was the same result. His parents worried about him. He was their only child, and they had them at an older age. His father died at an early age, and despite his condition, the elder was known for being a strong worker. 
The cuts he had on his body weren't too deep. They'd bleed out uh, nothing that ever caused any serious blood loss. His tribe didn't have any shaman. They only had what they call healers, and those are the folks who believed in medicine. They didn't know what to do, but everyone was concerned for his safety. Nobody disrespected him, but he lived in a lonely he lived a lonely life because of it. The elder considered that he could have been someone in the tribe who did it, but no matter where or when he slept, it would still happen. Members of the tribe helped him travel to hospitals, but back then he was refused treatment. The tribe was worried about him traveling alone, but he did it anyway to find a cure for his problem. He paid several shamans to uh, shamans to help him, but after he uh, gave him his uh, valuables, they told him their tribe he was in was cursed and to keep his payment. He was no longer welcome in several villages and wandered the final years of his life as a homeless man. He was found on the side of the highway. The tribe knew it was him by his height and all the scars, and the autopsy uh, thought he was tortured, but the cause of death was starvation. The elder was a husky man in his prime, but the autopsy revealed his weight to be less than 110 pounds. Nobody ever determined how he got those scratches. It wasn't a skin condition or contagious. Whatever it was followed him as he traveled. The The elder died poor, and his body was left in a morgue several months before the tribe was even informed of his death. They remembered his body was covered in bruises and scabs while they have certain ceremonies. The tribe thought it was best to have the elder's body cremated. They had his ashes delivered in wooden urns to the tribes who stole from him. The man told me his tribe no longer welcomed shaman on his land, saying they wronged one of their brothers who led a tough life. When word spread about the elder, there were numerous tribes who traveled and not only paid their respects, but gave gifts in hopes the value of these stolen goods will return to their tribe. There were some tribes who believed he shielded them from harm, taking the pain from spirits who may harm others. This was the only story I heard from anyone there, and it stuck with me. I asked him to tell me this story quite a few times. Don't even care if he made it up because it was pretty cool and his story never changed. So I want to believe it's true. Thanks for reading. Go Packers. And you know the rest. So I hate that the guy was tormented his whole life. But you can't sleep because you get scratches. Yeah, that'd be a nasty case of the ghosties. <laughs> well, and uh, talk about a haunted person, because I don't think it has anything to do with where he was, because it sounds like it happened no matter where he was. I wonder if somebody put like a curse on him or something, or if, you know, because it started at a very young age, didn't it? It did. So it's difficult to say that he was involved in something, although you never really know, but I, don't, I tend to lean more towards maybe somebody sent something upon him. I could see that. You know, just uh, when that sort of thing happens. It's a shame, you know, he lived his entire life in agony and never really found peace. Mm-hmm. So, thank you for the story and uh, and uh, writing into us here at Real Ghost Stories Online. If you haven't already done so, uh, please uh, press that subscribe button on whatever platform it is you're listening to us on. Uh, you won't miss any future episodes of the show, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, or YouTube. Get the episodes just sent directly to your de- device. No searching every day for us and trying to figure out what the latest episode is. Just press subscribe. So much easier. And it helps us grow the show as well. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, Kenny and Jenny. This is 
Jesse again from um, from South Central Pennsylvania. Um, I have a little another little story for you. Actually, I have a couple of stories for you, but um, this first one is about the fire hall that I was in before with the Get Out Whisper uh, on Saturday night. Two of us, or three of us, I'm sorry, three of us had gone back to the fire hall to, you know, try to figure out what what is going on there and, you know, try to possibly get something out if, if we can. Um, oh, yes, I do want to say, Tony, I do agree with you completely on the possession thing and the demonic. I don't know that an actual ghost can do that, but I definitely believe there's some kind of evil going on in there. Um, however, Saturday night, we went down into the basement. It was me and, and two other people. And um, we had gotten down there, and um, we mostly heard stuff. There really wasn't, there was nothing like the last time we were down there. But it was, there were a few shadows and things. But um, the shadows are so weird because when you're down there, you know, like it's an open room basement. Um, it's where they have like banquets and play bingo and all that stuff. And then there's a kitchen in the back. And to go into the kitchen, there's a doorway and a little alcove before you can go off to the kitchen to your left. And then to the right, there's like a few stairs down in some rooms. Well, the alcove is like completely dark. Um, and it looks like shadows like come out of the alcove, but it's not like you would see someone walking along and seeing the shadow. These actually feel like, or, or look almost like they're like sliding out and then like materializing right before your eyes. Um, and they're fast. I, that fast, they can come up on you like, like, you know, like so quick. It's kind of disturbing. And I'm sure I know other people have, have, um, seen this or felt this whenever something comes like right upon you almost like they're bum rushing you but um, we kept seeing shadows coming out of there but um, the, the interesting things that happened were um, we were actually getting a completely audible answer to what we were asking now I shouldn't say completely audible I mean you could hear it uh, pretty much it was yes or no is the answers that we were getting and they were all in a whisper but all three of us could hear the answer um it didn't like for one thing <sighs> let's see what else you know we asked if we could turn on this one light that kept flashing and it said yes it however did not turn it on whenever we asked it to so I'm not really sure what that was a lying ghost maybe but um we also weird I mean just a bunch of weird noises tappings and knocks and this one time we heard a noise it sounded like an airplane I I really can't tell you what it was I mean we're in a basement we're not near an airfield or anything but it sounded like an airplane was taking off and when you look down towards the end um like near the stairway and then there's there's a bathrooms on the one side of it and you look down that way and you can see a shadow perfect 
human form shadow back there walking around. Um, I thought it was an air traffic controller since the plane was taking off, but really have no idea, you know, what the, what the shadow was. It didn't really seem to want to interact with us, and that's fine. I'm not sure I wanted to interact with it either. But, you know, as we were sitting down there and hearing these noises and talking to it, or so it seemed, and, you know, it was answering us, um, we were all sitting there kind of, you know, just listening and trying to, to get our bearings straight because of, you know, all the things that were, like, moving around the team. It's hard to tell in the dark sometimes, but... I heard a sound and it sounded like chanting and I said did anyone hear that and um the other one of the gentlemen with us he said yeah and he said sounded like hi-ya ho-ya hi-ya ho-ya hi-ya ho-ya and no sooner did he say that and we hear this tap 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 and it was I mean to me it actually sounded like a drum um and every time it tapped it was moving closer to us and you could just I don't know it felt like something really bad was going to happen and you just felt this hear this tap 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 and each time like I said and it was perfectly spaced out and each time it happened they were it felt like they were another step closer to us it sounded like they were another step closer to us and um, I said Alex she looks up and she goes I'm getting a bad feeling and I said yeah me too and JR the other guy with us goes yeah we should get out of here and as we started like picking up to move you could still hear tapping 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 and it sounded like it was following us the whole way out so we got up up the stairs and there was like nothing going on. Now there was another gentleman who was in the building. He was um, sleeping in the bunk room with the for the um, ambulance and fire guys and he said because we asked him, asked this entity if it could um, go up and touch Joe and that's the other person in the building and it said yes and he said that he felt like someone was in the room. He asked us what we were doing, and we then we told him. We didn't tell him originally why we were down there. But, um, yeah, he said he felt the presence of someone in the room. And um, I do think also that at one point, because whenever we were asking questions, like, can you touch Jared? Can you touch Alex? Can you touch Jesse? And it answered yes, and we all thought we felt something but then again it could be power of suggestion you never know um with some of that stuff so um yeah i kind of sit on the on the fence on on that you know can they touch you can they do things like that now the the tapping did was legit because it wasn't any of us and i put my hands on the table and i saw um jr put his hand on the table too to try to see if one of us was doing it um, and nobody was doing it, and the table wasn't vibrating at all, but you could just hear the sound coming towards us. So that is my first story. The other- so there you go. 
That sounds like uh, a rather uh, creepy experience, but one that was kind of invited in as well. Yeah, a little bit. You know, when you sit there and you you ask these things to, to come to you and to uh, do things, uh, don't be surprised. Well, <laughs> they returned back to that same, I think it's an old firehouse, mm-hmm. you know, where they had the bad experience before. So they went back. What was the bad experience before? What happened with that one? Um. Well, she started feeling sick, and another person passed out. I mean, it was just an overwhelming. Oh, I remember that negative yeah. experience. And yeah, there's just certain places I don't think that necessarily warrant ghost investigations. Where it's like we know they're there. You yeah, know? I mean, it, they they may warrant more of an exorcism than folks going in there just trying to agitate the entities right if you will but uh, thank you for calling in and sharing your story really do appreciate it um uh, 855-853-4802 that's our number here at real ghost stories online ken writes in hey guys ken here this happened when i was about 13 my grandpa uh, bought my grandma a new house as a surprise and to be near the city this home had never been lived in just been built and who were all very happy for them. My sister and brother would take turns spending the weekend with them, sometimes together and sometimes alone, but as soon as they moved in, stuff started happening. My first experience there happened one night while I was lying on the floor in the living room. See, my grandpa was in a hospital bed and my granny was sleeping on the couch. They had another couch also, but uh, I was in the floor. Uh, That night, as I was sleeping, someone shook me and said, Get on the couch now. I jumped up and ran by my grandparents and got on the couch, scared to death. The next morning, I pushed it away as a dream. Not long after that, my grandpa needed to take his truck to the garage to have work done. My granny was going to follow him in her car and bring him home. Before she left, my granny said, Take your shower and be cleaned up. When we get back, we're going to go to church. They left and I went to bathe, put my clothes outside the bathroom door for her to put in the laundry and turned on the water. Just as I stepped into the shower, the bathroom door began to shake. Not a small shake. I mean, like the door is coming off the frame hard. I was scared, and then bang, bang, bang. I thought someone was going to break in and kill me. By now, tears were in my eyes. I begged it to leave me alone. Now, here I was in the bathroom with no clothes on. After a few minutes, it did stop. I knew I couldn't be safe. Someone was in the house. I put a towel on and looked at the window that was facing the highway. I knew I had to climb out before they came back. About that time, I saw and heard my grandparents pass by the window and in the front door. I was screaming my head off, and they came to the bathroom door and made me open the door. I told them someone was there and what happened to me. They just looked at one another like they knew, like it happened to them. My granny was a stern lady and just told me, Don't you be telling others. They didn't tell me it wasn't real or my mind was playing tricks on me. After that, it was all the time. Everyone saw shadow people moving up and down the hall, jumping from door to door. Some were touched and scratched. This time, it wasn't just me it was happening to. Later, after my grandpa passed away, my granny moved out and rented it out because I refused to stay there with her. All the renters saw things, heard things, or were even attacked. We found out two homes burned down in that spot, but that's another story. I have many more because of my paranormal life. 
Love the show, you guys. They're great. Helps me tell my story that I've kept in and not told many people about. God bless. Hope you all liked it. I don't think I'd be going to Grandma and Grandpa's house. I wonder if he got a good deal on the house. <laughs> you know, it was yeah. a gift house. Yeah. I don't normally give houses gifts. Well, it was brand new. I wonder yeah. if the property went cheap and had it built or what. Yeah, like, what. oh, we built this great new subdivision here. It's wonderful. And we're going to give you the deal of a lifetime. Because, by the way, it's on a burial ground. <laughs> and we didn't realize that till after we built these homes. So uh, we have to disclose this to you. But, uh, hey, it's 75% off this week only. I don't know. Um what that house is on is, is I think, what needs to be looked into. That or, you know, what possession sometimes can bring on these things, too. Like physical objects, when I mean possessions. Yeah, I, th- I suspect the ground because of the two previous homes burning down in that spot. Yeah. That's kind of, I don't know, the odds of two houses burning down in the same spot without it being like a forest fire kind of situation. Sure. You know, I don't know what what else could rationally explain that. I know. I'd be very interested to hear if there's any uh, any background to what that could be. If you have any uh, update on that, let us know. Uh, phone number here is 855-853-4802 to call in and share your real ghost story with us. Hi. Hello. I am Michael. I live in... Uh the San Francisco Bay area of California. And, uh, well, I used to live in a haunted so I have a number of ghost stories. But I figured I'd go for the one that uh, actually terrified me the most. Um, so it would have been in the uh, summer of 1989. I was 12 years old at a summer camp. It's uh, actually, I don't really want to call it a ghost since it never had been human. Um, maybe demon or shadow person may be a better name for it. And given how it seems to be, I've seen it off and on over the years, it may be closer to being a manifestation of the Grim Reaper. I'm hoping that I'm wrong on that one. It was, but. In 1989, it was the uh, summer camp sleepover in the Hayward Hills. Uh, The day camp was called Potawatomi. I'm pretty sure it's still around. And uh, there's just a normal sleepover night. Hot dogs and campfires, roasted marshmallows and such. I was uh, leaning back on the back wall of the stage that was there and um, watching my fellow campers. I looked down and saw a black hand reaching from behind the stage for my ankle, so I jumped away. Figuring that someone was just playing a prank on me, I kneeled down to see who it was and found that nobody was there. It seemed very odd to me. Uh, Then I felt something looking at me. Well, I thought someone. And I turned to look, and standing on a nearby picnic table, faster than someone could have reasonably moved, was a tall, dark figure in a cloak wearing a crown. 
um, really dark is in a, isn't really the right phrase. Blacker than black. Uh, a solid shadow. It, it was twilight, and it looks more real than everything else around it. More solid than, well, the shadow trees, the shadowy trees behind it, even. I was terrified. It uh, felt like it was looking not just at me at that moment, but everything I was, everything I had been, everything that I could be. It was like it was staring right into my soul. And I backed away from it. I started yelling at it to stop looking at me, to leave me alone. It took me a moment. Um, basically, uh, one of the counselors coming up was trying to reassure me that nobody else was seeing this. And it just stood there staring at me. And I even pleaded with the counselor, like, don't you see it? It's right there. And when I, at that point, when I turned back to it, it was gone. Needless to say, I was, my imagination ran wild for the rest of the night, and I was rather scared. And that was also the last time I went to that day camp. No, it was uh, Christmas that same year um, at the nearby mall. I had gone with my uh, parents' Christmas shopping. So this is still this is Christmas of 1989, and um, it showed up again. Yes, a dark, shadowy being of standing and. All that holiday cheer next to a payphone. This time it wasn't looking at me. Um, this time I'm actually fair. It was looking at my father, who could not see it. It was um, my response. Cause it, it was a little less scared of it this time because it wasn't looking at me. Was it's back. I had tried explaining it to my parents before, and their response amusingly was my father saying it was there for my mother and my mother saying it was there for my father and we just I tried my best to pretend like it wasn't there it was in the fall of 1990 it showed up again um, at that point I was 13 it came out of my ceiling three separate times um, actually it's parents altered those times also uh, the first it just it was actually really scary uh, first time it floated down it was all white again solid uh, it was basically a solid white shadow which is just strange and having the words unbidden by me um, came out of my mouth the take me when when the time is right. It floated over to my bed, it floated away, it went back and suddenly the ceiling. Second time it came down, it was a solid gray shadow. And again, floated down out of the ceiling, floated over to my bed, and again unbidden, I said, take me when the time is right. It floated back, floated back up into the ceiling. The third time, it was it was that terrifying solid black shadow again and it floated down floated back over to me and I said nothing 
I just stared at it, and it floated away and floated back up into the ceiling. It was, I, and I rushed up out of bed and tried telling my dad that it was there, and he just tried rationalizing it again and asked me if I'd said the Lord's Prayer and all that. Um, my dad died in the May of 1991, a suicide. I'm still fairly convinced that this thing was connected to his death. There was a lot of things going on and he was prone towards depression and such, but I'm still convinced that this thing aggravated and encouraged him in that direction. That's one of my multiple stories. I've seen it a number of times since, and each time it has been connected to death. Almost like a foretelling, but I'm also convinced that it's helped push those deaths along. Well, take care. There you go. It's not uh, your regular friendly ghost that's just hanging out, um, trying to give helpful advice and lead a young lad on the path to happiness. So there's one that he talked about that wore a a shadow person that wore a cloak and a crown. Mm -hmm. The king of the shadow people? (laughs) I'm not trying to be funny. I know. I know. I'm just kind of like, how does he sick, you know, how does that signify something? Or is that just what that shadow person chose to? I think maybe the shadow person wear. just was a cloak type guy, you know, like boogity or I don't know. I mean, there was a point in time, if you're looking at like historical type things where cloaks were like commonplace. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think crowns were ever the in thing to do or mixed and matched with the cloak era. Uh, with common folk. Uh, so the crown is a little out of place. Yeah. So, I mean, I and you know, I, I kind of go with him on, on his gut where, where he's, he said at the beginning, he's like, this was not something that ever walked the earth. Yeah. So I could see it. I, I don't know why, you know, something like that would manifest wearing a crown or a cloak other than it's just completely bizarre and odd. Um, but... Uh, you know, I think you know he's he's really going on his gut on a lot of this, and it's you know probably on. Or in part of his story, he said, "Where uh, correct me if I'm wrong." He did say his his mom saw it and his dad saw it, correct? Or or or, or it was something where that they they had been plagued by this thing as well. Okay, see, I, I that's guess... what I kind of got out of it. Maybe I misunderstood it, but I think that's what I understood. I don't know if they saw it. Or he told them about it, and then one parent said, well, it's here for your dad, or the other, and the other parent said, yeah. it's here for your mom. There was one point where it sounded like, and this is just my take on what, how he was saying it, mm-hmm. was that uh, dad's, you know, had this too, and it's followed him, and mom's had this thing follow them too. It almost sounds like it's something that's been following their family around or along. Okay. So, I mean, that's, I could be completely wrong, but that's kind of what I was taking out of it. it sounds like something that's not too not too keen on their family no if if that's a way to put it thank you for calling in and sharing your your very dark story with us we do appreciate it uh 855-853-4802 that's our phone number here 
at Real Ghost Stories online to share your real ghost story with us 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you want more ghost stories, you can become an EPP before the weekend, before Saturday. We'll be sending out our next EPP bonus episode at that time. So if you are uh, looking for a little extra scare this weekend, uh, sign yourself on up there. And uh, you'll get that email. We send it out on Saturday morning. It's like Saturday morning cartoons, but better. <laughs> yes, for grown-ups. It really is. Uh, sign up on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. You'll get this week's bonus episode and all 13 of the past episodes as well and some uh, exclusive video content as well. So uh, you'll also get the satisfaction of knowing you're keeping the show alive uh, and uh, help uh, support it. So check it out, realonline.com. So until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to the Thanksgiving edition of Real Ghost Stories Online. Canned cranberries or the mash? Homemade. No, you, you've had the can now. It's good, but yeah. it's not homemade. I'm still staying with canned. I'm just going to eat all the French fried onions from the top of the green beans. Mix the canned, onion, the canned French fried onions with the canned cranberries, and that is a culinary delight. That's gross. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone.